a beautiful morning to worship the Lord, a wonderful morning to study His Word. Would you stand as we begin? Father, thank you 
Thank you for the opportunity for us to come together this morning. And we come in reverence. We come with a sense of awe. For you are holy. And Father, those are not just words. But in our minds and in our hearts, in our soul, I pray from the very depths that we understand holiness, the perfection, the one who is the creator, which is you, dear God, that we come in humility, that we come, God, in preparation, that God, this morning, we want nothing more than to experience you, the power of your presence, so that as we sing the songs, they come from the depths of our heart, and the words are not meaningless repetition, but Father, they are true to what we believe, and we are actively participating and sending them up as an aroma of praise to you, dear God. And Lord, I pray that this morning, during every single aspect and element of our worship, from the songs to the prayers, to the reading of Scripture, to the specials, to the reading of your word and the proclamation of it, that, dear God, you would speak powerfully to each of us, and there would be that challenge, that understanding, that response on each one of our part, because you are the audience today. We are worshiping you. God, I pray that we're serious, because truly you are the one who is holy. To you and through your son Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. We welcome you this morning to our time of worship and celebration and I hope that you have prepared yourself to meet the Lord. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful service if, if you will allow it to be just that. And so this morning, please enjoy, participate, engage in every aspect of worship and while you're doing that, listen, listen to what God has to say to you. If this is your very first time to be here, we would ask you just to take the card that is in the pew in front of you, fill out in its entirety, and when you leave today, if you just drop it in one of the offering boxes, we would appreciate it. And right now, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to take the opportunity and the time to once again lift your voices in praise to God.
Supreme Court that the ones that are sick or hurting today, that you would be with them, comfort them, heal them, bring them back to us quickly. We just pray for the message today, Lord, that Dr. Kennedy is bringing. We just pray that if there is one out there that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, does not have a relationship with you, Lord, that today might be that day. We just thank you for all that you're going to do. In his name, amen. Our next two hymns are powerful hymns of worship and assurance, and I'm going to ask that you stand as we sing them together, the first being Victory in Jesus.
You know, a lot of people think of loving and believing in God, that that will get them to heaven. <clears throat> this is what the scripture says in John chapter 5, or 3, 1 through 8 and 16. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with you, with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is gone. So it is with everyone born of spirit. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. These are the words of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey! 
opportunity that we have to come this morning, been encouraged by the singing from the heart. Father, to understand about being lifted up on eagle's wings, for those who have a faith and trust in you, and in our encounter this morning between Nicodemus and Jesus, Father, we come to an understanding of how that relationship can become a reality. So give us insight, and Father, help us to listen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I was a young preacher, um, you heard a lot about the term born again, being born again. You still hear it around, but you don't hear it near as much. It went through a series of years where it was kind of a catchphrase. If you remember in the late 70s going into the early 80s, there was uh, in the evangelical community quite the understanding of being born again. People talked about it a lot. First you had Charles uh, Colson's book on born again. Charles Colson was uh, uh, in the Nixon White House, went to prison for a number of years and uh, came to know Christ in prison. When he got out, he started Prison Fellowship, which has changed the, uh, the prison system for hopefully ever in so many areas. Then you had uh, Billy Graham's book that actually predated Charles Colson's book on how to be born again. Even President Jimmy Carter who called himself a born again Christian. Born again 
If you go back and look at some of the commentaries of those days from the media, you find that they, uh, they didn't take too kindly, too warmly to the term born-again or born-again Christian. In fact, there was a lot of a journalists who would make fun of the term because they didn't understand it. But Jesus was very clear when he spoke to Nicodemus, who came to him at night under the cover of darkness because he was seeking answers. One who didn't understand, and yet he knew the place to go. Jesus said in John 3.3, 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So, I want to talk this morning a little bit about this familiar passage. More from the concept of, uh, a little more about its, maybe, theology, its doctrine, to give us a better understanding. What does it mean to be born again? There are a lot of ideas out there. Uh, there's a world of difference between God's understanding of being born again and the world's understanding. Two very different worldviews or perspectives. So let's talk about how the world looks at being born again. In verse 4 of John chapter 3, Nicodemus said, How can someone be born when they are old? That gives you a very clear understanding that people that do not know Christ, they don't have that understanding. They ask those very same questions. Well, that's ridiculous. Science will not bring that about for a person who's already born to be born again. It wasn't a concept that Nicodemus could understand, and it's not a concept that so many in our culture understands. Not understanding because they don't have spiritual eyes, that God-given insight. They don't understand spiritual matters, but how can they? The Apostle Paul said in Romans, uh, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That passage is as clear as it could possibly be. No wonder. Culture, secular society, people that don't have a relationship with Christ do not understand that term, and so many other terms that we as Christians embrace because they don't have the spiritual understanding. They don't have the spirit living inside of them. Again, he said, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. To them, it's foolishness. You see the world, they have no insight, no understanding. They have no learning in spiritual matters. Now there are some that have incredible cognitive understanding. There are some professors of religion across this nation in all kinds of universities and colleges that teach religion, that have the concepts the theology, but they are as cold and as dead as they could possibly be spiritually. So you can fill your cognitive brain with all the facts and the figures. You can do your research. You can come to an understanding where you could teach this. But without the Spirit, it has no great understanding. You see, the world 
They have not experienced being born again, or as the scripture interprets that, being born from above. Therefore, they have not experienced a true encounter with God. Experienced a true encounter with God. The world believes being born again might look like a number of things. Number one, it's like starting life brand new. Like all of a sudden, um, I'm in a new relationship, and so, man, everything looks good. Or I have a clean slate. I have a new job, and so everything's looking good. I, I feel like I'm just born again. Some have these weights, these burdens they've been carrying around, and, and somehow they've been able to throw those off, and all of a sudden they feel free and, and young again, and, and they're thriving. They say, man, it's like I've been born again. Maybe throwing off traditions that have been holding them back. For some, a new start, uh, maybe getting out of prison or getting out of rehab or getting back on the streets. In other words, getting back into life. They feel like, oh, finally, finally I'm free and I feel like I've been born again. For some, it might be reaching successes in life, maybe in business, maybe reaching their goals or their ambitions. They feel like, I finally achieved, I feel like I'm born again. But see, the world believes born again is focused more on the area of materialism, or humanism, or personal gratification, what, what they have achieved. They've missed the deep-rooted, underlying meaning of what Jesus taught and spoke to Nicodemus and to us. So we kind of see what the world maybe has an understanding of being born again, and why they don't understand the spiritual concepts. What did Jesus mean by being born again? In verse 5, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. The baptism of water here is a, is a phrase referring to the symbolism of the remission of sins. <coughs> baptism by water is exactly what John the Baptist did. He baptized with water, which itself bestowed no spiritual influence, but merely represented visibly to the eye what was invisibly done to the heart and the soul of those who had come to him to be baptized. Those who came to John, having confessed their sins, were baptized, and they received forgiveness, and they were cleansed. But it took more than that to become a new person. That was more referenced back to the Old Testament, looking forward to what what the Messiah was going to do. John said in First John, I'm sorry, in John chapter 1, verse 33, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. Did you catch that? The one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. It is very distinct. You see, it took the Holy Spirit, which only Jesus could give, to make the one confessing and repenting of sins a new person with the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of them. Those who were baptized by John were only preparing or being prepared to receive Christ's Spirit by receiving the forgiveness of sins. They were looking forward to the Messiah, anticipating this, as from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, it was referring to the one who would be the deliverer, 
the Messiah, the one who would come to take care of all sins. Now listen, by no means whatsoever does baptism in any part, in any form, in any shape, save a person. It is a powerful symbolic action which visibly to the eyes shows the forgiveness of sin in the person's heart and soul. When we have the opportunity to baptize here in our worship center, the person has already given their lives to Christ. They have already been transformed. The Holy Spirit has already come into their life. When we take them under the water and bring them back up out of that water, it is a beautiful symbol, a, a preaching as such of saying, this is what Christ has done. His Spirit has taken all of my sins away, and you're seeing that. I have incredible understanding through the years of that, that person who goes under the water telling them, you're preaching your very first sermon because you are communicating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are communicating my old life, and I'm dying to my old life, and I'm raised to walk in the newness of life. But it is symbolic. It is a powerful, powerful understanding. And Christ wants us to do that, but it does not save us. I remember my brother telling me when he was young, uh, my sister might remember the age, I don't know, but he was, I'm going to say probably four or five, something like that, and he had his teddy bear in the bathtub, and he baptized his teddy bear. And he baptized him saying, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and all the rest of them. Down the teddy bear went, up it came, as wet as it could be. He obviously had seen my father baptize numerous times. But you know that teddy bear was wet, but he wasn't changed. A person just being baptized but never giving their life to Christ, they're just wet. Listen, we must be born from above, through Christ, with the Holy Spirit, not in the flesh. Jesus said in John 3, 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. What a person inherits from their parents are the passions and the desires which are bent toward sin. That's what we get. So what is born of sinful human nature is both sinful and it's human. But what a person receives when they are born from above, when they're born again, is a spiritual nature with heavenly aspirations and capabilities. It changes us completely. It transforms us. We're not that person again anymore. The old has gone, the new is here. The old creation is gone. The new is here. That which is born of the Holy Spirit is both spiritual and divine. Nicodemus just didn't understand that. Just as the world doesn't understand it. It doesn't make sense to them. And so he asked the question. He said in verse 9, how can this be? And we have to be ready to give an answer. Because Nicodemus is sincerely coming to Jesus. He is scholarly. He is intelligent. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. 
But is there, there's this aching inside of him. There's this uncertainty because he doesn't know. He knows what he has been taught through the course of time. He knows the Torah. But he's heard Jesus speak. He's seen disciples changed. The message kept tugging at his heart. And so he wanted this private conversation with Jesus. And so he's trying to understand. He says, well, how can this be? Jesus said, it doesn't make sense. Jesus explains it in verse 8. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus very clearly gives an understanding that it is not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth that takes place. I love this understanding of of the wind. The wind blows wherever it wishes. Uh, back in 2017, we were living in uh, Palatka, Florida. I had been out of my uh, kidney transplant for about uh, three months or so, and Hurricane Irma came our way. It was the third hurricane that we went through in 13 months, and two of them were direct hits. Irma was the worst. We could hear, I mean, we, we Covered every single window, the only one in our neighborhood that covered our windows. And we were the only house in our neighborhood that didn't get glass broken. <laughs> we sat in that house with the, uh, in the living room, which was the tallest ceiling. And we heard all through the night the winds coming and whipping around. We had six huge water oaks that had been there about 60 years towering above our house, we just knew <laughs> that it was possible for those water oaks that have very little root system to come toppling down. And so we were there, and, and our, uh, our oldest daughter and her husband were in there and all night long. That's all we heard on our brand new metal roof was the wind blowing and the limbs coming down. One of the things that I found is how it related to this passage that Jesus said. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. When we went out to look as the sun was coming up, we had no major damage to our house. We had about an acre and a quarter, and we had 55 trees on that, on that property. We looked out there, we could hear the winds in the house. And when we looked outside, we couldn't see them. But we could see the effects. Our, our debris was amazing on that property. We had people to come and help us clean that area up over a number of days. And that debris pile was four feet by four feet by a hundred feet long. So much. And so what Jesus is saying here, I, I want to tell you, I understood. I couldn't see that wind that was coming through, but I tell you what, I will never forget it. The sound and the limbs hitting that metal roof and wondering, are one of those trees going to give and come crashing down? And then seeing, seeing the difference outside. Listen, Jesus is telling us, if you are to get the Spirit, you've got to follow me. You're not going to be able to see everything 
and how the Spirit moves. But by trusting and by faith, you have to embrace Christ. Allow the Spirit to come into your life. You've got to do that. You've got to follow me. He says, the Spirit that I give, you'll not see, but you will experience Him. He will change your life. It's an action of belief. Belief and faith in Jesus Christ that allows the Holy Spirit to come into your life. It's not baptism. Baptism is vital and important. Continue to grow in your life in Christ. But what Jesus wants to understand, it's not just an action you take, it's an action with your whole heart, with your soul. And when that happens, and when you allow Christ to come into your life, and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you have been born again. There are those here today, and those that are watching online, that you have that tugging feeling like Nicodemus did. There is something in there, and you haven't taken that step yet, but I want you to know that you need to do that. So how can a person be born again? We've kind of brushed over that, but it's the same way that Jesus told Nicodemus. There are three things that have to happen. Number one, you need to realize your sinful ways. David said in Psalm 41.4, I said, have mercy on me, Lord, heal me, for I have sinned against you. I, I have sinned against you. Not somebody else made me. The circumstances just presented itself and I just fell into it. You have to realize I'm the one who sinned. David realized that. He said, I'm the one who has sinned against you. We have stated what is born of flesh is flesh. And that sinfulness, the sinfulness of humankind, that's what we have. We've got to realize that the sinfulness in our lives is real. We have to take responsibility for it before we can be born again. There's no other way to do it. We must realize that we've gone away from God. God loves us, but we've chosen to, to veer a different direction altogether. If you remember the city of Nineveh in the Old Testament, they were sinful. Jonah was called by God to go and to preach to Nineveh. And instead, he hopped on a boat, sank, got swallowed by a big fish, spit out on the sand, and still told to go. Reluctantly he went. And he did preach to them. And he was preaching fire and judgment upon them. And the king all the way down, the scripture says, repented of their sins. Now Jonah was not happy about that at all. Because these were not his people. We all have to realize that we've gone away from God. And when presented with the gospel, the ability to be born again, like the people of Nineveh, in the understanding of the revelation of that day, they realized, and with sackcloth and ashes, tearing of the clothes, 
they came before God and repented. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, the scripture says, when Simon Peter saw this, talking about Jesus telling the fish on the other side of, the, of their boat, after they had caught nothing the night before, the scripture says, that Peter fell at, his, at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. We have to come face to face, look in the mirror and say, I am a sinful man or woman. Nicodemus, now through this conversation, <coughs> comes to the place where he realized his sinful ways, even though he was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, a part of the Sanhedrin. He came to the place in this conversation when he realized, I need something more. He came with this nagging feeling. He was going to leave and he was going to consider everything Jesus said, but somewhere along the way, he came and realized, I am a sinful person. Number two, we need to realize God's love. <coughs> you need to realize God's love for you. John 3.16 uh, John said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that from the very bottom of our heart. Most people have it memorized to some degree. But it doesn't change the fact that God's love is unconditional, and it is always. God loves you as much as the day that you gave your life to him is the day that you'll die. You can't earn any more love from God. He loves you. In fact, he loved you even in your sinfulness. From the time you were born to the time that you die, God loves you. That's pretty amazing, considering that we have not always loved him the way he has loved us. The Bible tells us that humankind was created in the image of God. But humankind, in their sinful nature, disobeyed. And God said through the Apostle Paul, the wages of sin is death. So what we earn, what we're out there earning for our sin, is actually spiritual death. God's love was expressed through hum to humanity through his son Jesus Christ. That salvation was for the world, not just for his chosen people. The Pharisees thought that. But Jesus is communicating that's not true. The world. I love everyone. And my son has died for everyone. Listen, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you have, God loves you. And on the flip side, it doesn't matter how good you are or how much that you have or how faithful you've been to church. God loves you. I hope we can drive that into our mind and our hearts that no matter who we are, God loves us. The eminent German theologian Karl Barth was once asked to sum up in a few words what he has written in the field of theology. 
And this was a summary. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Doesn't matter how deep you get in your theological understanding, how mature you get in your faith, it's always the simple fact that Jesus loves you. And he said, this I know. It's a fact that Jesus loves you. The question is, do you know that? Not just cognitively, but in your heart and your spirit. That he loves you no matter what. And the authority is his word, God's living word. How much more eternal love? How much more did God show by letting Jesus shed his precious blood on Calvary for sinners like you and me? I don't think it can get any more. And I think through this conversation we find that Nicodemus realized it. And it paved the way for him to accept Christ as the Messiah and to begin following him as the days unfolded in Jesus' ministry. So we need to realize, you need to realize that you're a sinner. You need to realize that God loves you. And last, you need to realize that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. He says, uh, John does in the latter part of verse 16, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The whoever. The whoever is us. It's not your neighbor over here. Well, it is him. But it's you too. It applies to us. Salvation only comes through perfection. And I could ask, how many of you are perfect? But you probably all don't want to lift your hand today. It's a lot of exercise. But Paul said in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. So we're all sinners. So we're all doomed. Right up front, we're all doomed because we're part of the all have sinned. We're not perfect. But Jesus is perfect. The scripture tells us in Hebrews 4.15 that he was in all points tempted like us, yet without sin. So we find that Jesus Christ is the only hope for any of us. It's very simple. Jesus wanted that to be simple. Because here was this learned man who came to him in the shadows of darkness, seeking answers. And Jesus clearly led him to the place of decision. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The traveler engaged a guide to take him uh, across a desert. And so the two men arrived at the edge of the desert, and the traveler looked, and then he looked again ahead of him, 
And he saw a trackless sand. There wasn't a single footprint. There wasn't a path. There wasn't a marker of any kind. It was just sand. And he looked at his guide and he asked with this tone of surprise, where's the road? And the guide smiled and said, I am the road. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will get to the Father but through me. He said to Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He's the only way. And Nicodemus became a follower of Jesus. And I'm wondering if you would be willing to do that today. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I ask you very specifically that you would help every single person here to look in the depths of their heart. If they've never had that experience of being born again, being born from above, by, with their heart and spirit, as well as their mind, asking Christ into their life and becoming a true follower, allowing the Holy Spirit to come into their lives and lead and guide them. If, that's, if there's anyone here today, God, I pray you would speak to them. We know it's not a crutch, because a man like Nicodemus, he was a man that had it together. But in his spirit, it was nagging at him. And today, in this worship center or on our live stream, it's very possible that there is that nagging feeling. And I pray, God, that you would speak to them. And today, they would choose to say yes. You know what? I don't have that, but I want that. I can't achieve it myself, but I want Jesus, and I believe in him and all that he's done for me. And so this morning, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and my soul, to take my sins away, and allow your spirit to come and live inside of me and guide me as I strive to live a life set apart for you. And God, that's the prayer I would ask. And I pray everyone listening who needs that today, right now, this moment, would choose to say yes. And for those in our worship center, God, I, I pray they would make their decisions public today. For those that are watching through our live stream, Lord, I pray that they would make that decision wherever they are. And then they would let somebody know. Because that's the only way, Jesus said. For other decisions this morning, I pray, God, you folks that want to rededicate and recommit their lives, people, people that have been born again but have not really been sharing that, that I pray that there would be a commitment of our believers to say, if Jesus has clearly understood this. There are people that are searching. I want to be one of the ones to be able to share how to be born again. And I pray that commitment will be made this morning. 
whether it's a public commitment or a private commitment in the pew, but God, right now, I pray you will speak to them and help each of us to make that decision. Father, we look forward to leading folks to come and be a part of this church. God, whatever decision is going to allow us to respond to you in this time of worship, this opportunity for invitation, I pray that, God, we would choose to do that right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our invitation? You come as God leads you.
and pray. And what God tells you to do, not what you tell yourself to do, but what God tells you to do, then you follow through. Nancy? I want to draw your attention to the two banners that are on the wall behind the fire loft. You also saw some in both lobbies as you came in today. Back to church Sunday on September 18th. Hope happens here. I hope you will begin praying about that special Sunday and you will hear more details about it coming up. On the back of your bulletin, a reminder about the One Left concert, which will be here in the sanctuary this Wednesday at 4 o'clock. This is a Messianic Jewish group who will be singing for us. A love offering will be taken. There's no cost for you to come, but I pray that you will be here. The following Wednesday at 4 o'clock, we will be in the CLC for a catered dinner from Olive Garden. And if you haven't purchased your tickets, it's $7.50 for that. You need to do that. If not this Sunday, next Sunday will be the last day. So Carol Woods will be in the small lobby again uh, selling those tickets if you haven't already purchased yours. If you are planning to participate in the Bible Museum trip, which is this Thursday, the sign-up sheet is in the main lobby. You'll see the time that the group leaves in the morning and the time the afternoon group leaves from the parking lot here at church and the cost for the lunch that day. I hope that you will take advantage of that. And then the last sign-up is for the movie lunch, which will be on Thursday the 25th. The movie will be Barabbas. If you'd like to come for lunch at 12.30, that's a cost of $5. And the sign-up sheet is in both lobbies for that. This is Joel and Carolyn McElreath. They have been attending for how long? About a year? Okay. They are very thorough. <laughs> we, have, we have had great conversations, and uh, I appreciate so much uh, Joel and Carolyn. They, they spent 25 years as missionaries in uh, Italy, in uh, the Rome area, I believe, that area, and then 25 years as missionaries in uh, Israel, uh, very specifically in Jerusalem. And so that 50 years, uh, in service of our Lord overseas. And they, uh, they have come today and said, we'd like to, to join First Baptist Church in City West. Mm -hmm. This is significant because their home church, they have been members of for 55 years in California, which was their sending church. And uh, physically, uh, financially sponsored them and helped them all through those years. There's been a major decision to to leave their membership from there and starting this new journey. Uh, today they have said, yes, you know what, this is, this is what the Lord has told us. So we look forward to the next, to the next, uh, the next 55 years here. <laughs> All in favor, if you'd show that by the sign aye. Aye. If you're against that sign, no. Okay. As we come around, our folks are, are going to come and they are going to welcome you. And doing that, they're saying two things. A welcome to your family your church family here. And secondly, we're going to be praying with you and working beside you in these days ahead. And we look forward to that. We really do. Because I know you all bring a passion, and we're very passionate. So God's got some great things ahead. All right? When you come to, uh, to welcome them, I just want to 
Carolyn is dealing with a, uh, a lung infection, and so she's not contagious, but she also doesn't need anything from you. <laughs> so when you come, if you'll just come and talk to them, but they won't be shaking hands, okay? So just, but do come. Do come. Don't leave them up here by themselves. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're in uh, Bill's Sunday school class, right? Bill, could you come down and stand sure. with our, our new members here? All right. Let's stand and we'll have our, our closing prayer. We Northrop will come and lead us in our closing prayer. Let us pray together. Father God, we come to you with humble hearts. Father God, thank you because you are the God in heaven and on earth. We are very thankful for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We praise your name and accept your word through Pastor Kennedy this morning. Father God, your grace, mercy, and protection upon our life in this chaotic world are needed daily. Father God, we commit our life into your hands. May your blessing be upon us this coming week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.